0: become a 101 patreon today head to patreon.com forward slash 101 part-time jobs and choose whether you're going to be a freelancer a part-timer or a full-timer you can get access to our full video interviews to our discord server get pre-release tickets to our live podcasts and much more head to patreon.com forward slash 101 part-time jobs and pick up yourself a new gig You playing bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew the Distro Kid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. stats on Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101 pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist, where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. All right, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. It's the place where I ask people who rock and roll how they do it. It can get pretty damn tough out there, but one of the people who makes it look way easy, styles it out with dignity and grace, is just this trip of Angel Dust. Angel Dust have just put out a new album called Brand New Soul. It's rocking. it's fun, it's good-spirited. We talk about it here, we talk about the mindset behind the songwriting and the, the vibe and the feeling that Justice and the rest of the band are going through with this album. He tells some memories of Trapped Under Ice and their momentous touring schedule uh, and some of his modeling for Baltimore skateboard and clothing brand, Carpet. This chat went way too quickly. I love speaking with Justice. Angel Dust are on tour in the UK right now. They've got Manchester, Glasgow, Blackpool, Newcastle, Liverpool, Sheffield, London, Norwich, and Birmingham still to come. So if you can make any of those shows with Power Plant, who we had on the show just recently, and TS Warspite, then you got to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. If you like this show, if you like this podcast, if you like what I'm about, you can rate it, you can review it on Apple and Spotify. All that stuff is a massive help to me. That helps me continue to get great guests like Justice uh, and other guests we got coming up, which includes Slaughter Beach Dog, Teenage Wrist later this week, um, Citizen is coming up, The Menzingers. Loads of great stuff. So if you want to get notified as and when those come out, click subscribe. Before we get into this chat, I'm here with Rebecca from Eka, multi-instrumentalist, plays piano, plays saxophone, also a brand ambassador for Ampolo, which is a great brand new free app for musicians. All right, Rebecca, could you tell us a little bit about Ampolo?
1: Yeah, I've been using um, Ampolo, which is an app that came out earlier this year, actually. Smart with its AI demixing tools. So in under a minute, we will completely demix a track, which means I can take out the drums, the bass, vocals whatever it is i want to be trying my own part over whereas before i would be googling chords and then on youtube googling the song and kind of flicking between the tabs while setting up my instrument and trying to practice along it all happens in the app then yeah and then i'm posting it to a feed if i want that social aspect of it but i don't have to like i've been spending many hours just practicing parts and thinking wow this is so easy you know play again and again to make sure i nail that bit
0: so it's a practice tool you can film yourself it's free it's out there ampollo you can download it today all right his justice trip from angel dust <laughs>
1: We got Disco and Brutus. I'm going to put Disco, I'm going to close her up because she's eating the squirrels out back right now. Back great,
0: up. great names.
1: Yeah, Disco and Brutus. Brutus is, uh, he's just a little guy.
0: So, That's brilliant. Hey, that, that, so you got kind of two, uh, two ends of the spectrum there, like Brutus and Disco. <laughs> yeah,
1: but they kind of, their look is like swapped. Like Disco is the big tough dog and Brutus is the little cute <laughs> dog. Do you go out with them? Do you walk them
0: at the same time?
1: Uh yeah for sure. We have a pretty big yard so they spend a lot of time in the yard and then my partner she walks them every day. She's hey. pretty, pretty about that.
0: Did um did she or did you both become early risers when you got dogs?
1: She's an early riser. I have a theory that I'm like dogs will just they'll do whatever. Like if whatever you do they're fine with that. Like so when she's gone we all sleep in like they all sleep they both of them sleep in bed with us and Great. they'll just sleep all day until, you know, until it's time for me to get up and do my thing because I'm I'm a little late. I mean, recently I've been more like 10 a.m. has been my time. Yeah. But when I'm like in the creative zone, I'm making music. I wake up at like one, sometimes 2 p.m.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, 10 a.m. is the time. I'm a nine thirty, ten o'clock guy. I used to be, yeah. be a bit embarrassed about it because, you know, I guess I kind of look up to my friends who are kind of 5 a.m., get up and go, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should be a bit more like that. But it's just the way we work, right?
1: Yeah, it just depends on your lifestyle. Like, I'm a creative person. I make music, play venues late at night. Yeah. So, like, the average show, we're, like, getting out around 1 o'clock and then mm. we're going to drive two or three hours. Yeah. So my brain is just like... Used to like settling down at 4 a.m. Yeah. You know, when I get in my creative zone, sometimes it's 7, 8 a.m. Like the sun's up. Wow. Is that when you're at home? Yeah. Yeah. I have a little studio downstairs and just go down there for like the night, you know, the Blue. whole night.
0: And you can hear that on Angel Dust stuff from the last, I don't know, for me, it's been like the last five, six years, the kind of Angel Dust stuff that you've been releasing. I don't know. I guess I like just made this up in my mind. I was like, oh yeah, you're the guy with the, with the four track or you're the guy with the home studio. This is how these sounds are coming out like this.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, um, you know, like the last recording we did like yak was with Rob Schnaff, who I think is kind of like a pioneer in like what people it's interesting because he's, he's not doing anything in his bedroom or, you know, like, but he just like likes samples and incorporating that in rock and roll music and uh i think that's some of what the basis of what people call bedroom pop now or bedroom rock or whatever you know yeah and i learned a lot from him so like my whole thing was just like i want to build a studio i want to do what rob does and um you know it's not quite a bedroom it's like you know it's a little bit a little bit more than my bedroom but I, you know, I, I get where that concept comes from. And it's like, it, it is like that. Like I like samples and t- putting weird roomy, small room sounds mm-hmm. on a track. Mm-hmm. You're really organic and natural. And that like feels what like what punk feels like to me, you know?
0: Put the microphone outside to get natural reverb. There's this band that lasted for one album. They probably t- played like 15 shows called Gordon Gano's Army. And they were kind of mm. like, like power pop. Yeah. But like kind of a bit Billy Bragg and a bit like jarring as well. And they did their record totally like, not like manual, right. I guess like just, just it did put the microphones outside for the natural reverb. And like this record came out 15 years ago. And, and the, 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 the more time goes on, the more like, that's a cooler idea. And the, the way that like a thing, like a four track or, or a microphone that itself becomes the instrument Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that, that's a really cool way of thinking about it.
1: Yeah, man, like having something that sounds quote unquote bad, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they describe it, that becomes the the instrument. That's the identity of the song, you know? Big and time. I like finding new ways of putting together these, again, quote unquote, bad sounds to create just something different from another universe. You know, it's like, um, I really like on, on Yak, the record we did with Rob, there's drum sounds that we use at Sunset Sounds, which is like uh, one of the more notorious huge drum rooms in LA, and it has a huge drum room sound. And taking something like that, it's where the drums sound like the biggest thing in the world, and then taking a mic and sticking it up to the electric guitar with no amp, yeah, and that guitar <laughs> is going to be for the song the <laughs> smallest guitar sound fathomable yeah. with the biggest. It's like, what planet does that exist on, other than in that? exact scenario and building something kind of unique and fresh to people's ears.
0: Totally. And look, this isn't even a tenuous link. What we're talking about here is exactly what I want to achieve or what I want to do with this podcasting, 101 part-time jobs is to get the kind of stories about how everyone does shit differently. You know, everyone uh, has their own kind of unique way of doing it, their own mindset. And... I've been following you and and you know bands you've been in and you as an artist for for lots of years and c- coming from a similar place grew up wanting to be in punk bands. I saw this band. I grew up on the outskirts of London. Saw this band when I was like twelve or thirteen, and I was like, ah, got to go on tour, got to do this. Kind of like messed up school for it because I was just on MySpace booking gigs and had this like unquenchable thirst to just tour and write songs. And I guess the time that that becomes like a pretty serious thing in your life, you don't even notice it because you're so used to doing it in a way. But I guess when you get into your twenties for most people, or say if you leave home at like 16, 17, you know, you you realize that you're going to have to kind of come up with some kind of structure so you can carry on playing music. So that's where I'm coming from with all of this, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I know exactly what you mean. I spent a lot of time as a kid being like, oh, this is a fun thing that I can do for fun. And then just didn't want to leave the van, you know, like always looking for like a way to get in the van with another band or like, you know, early on we'd start bands and didn't even have records out yet. But it was like, let's just get in the van. Yeah. And then as you start to play the game a little more, it becomes a little more realistic, you know, like putting out records and somebody wants to press the record and distribute it now it's like not that crazy to to think you can do this um but i think in every situation every musician has something they're doing at home because you can't live your whole life on the road unless you're a complete sociopath um but they exist Those, those those people definitely do exist i think
0: one thing that's interesting is those early tours i think i heard on that interview you did with jeremy bolm where you were like i don't even know how we got there like we didn't ask for money (laughs) You know, it's just like money's not even in your, in your brain, in your mind and like call it naive, call it whatever. It's a funny, it's an interesting kind of conflict, I guess, that, you know, have those most formative times, those most pure times and trying to keep that purity, keep that like feeling later on down the line where you think, okay, we, we kind of have to ask for a fee. You know, we, we have to have a team around us to keep this going, like logistically. Yeah. Um, what's your kind of journey been with that? Like, I mean, I know, you know, you, you run the label pop wig. And that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it seems like such a, I mean, you're in music, right? If you're going to be in a band, you know, having a label is such a thing that makes sense to do. Um, obviously, you're bringing in a lot of your own kind of lived experience into that. Um, yeah. I guess my question is like, over the last like decade, have you become more and more stable in your life as like a musician, like as an artist?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like, a, I don't know. There was a time when I used to, go on tour and come back and do security. Security was a thing I did for a long time and just basically get paid small amounts of money to get my ass whooped. Wow. And how serious are we talking? How serious of ass whipping? Yeah. <laughs> I've caught a couple. I've had my nose broke like so many times. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think maybe twice in context of doing security. And then um have my teeth knocked out a lot. Uh, my front teeth are like, I've, gold teeth in the front and it's kind of like you know not it's out of necessity because i've had them knocked out seven times wow so at some point you're just like what's going to stop this and gold helps for you know whatever reason um so like you know like replacing your teeth regularly and getting your nose fixed and stuff doesn't really work out well when you're like making a hundred dollars a night to do security Mm. uh Couple of nights a week when you're when you're home you know and is that something you trained for is that something like your mates were doing um i had some friends that were doing it and i was just so familiar with everybody at the club from like being there and playing shows there uh and then i remember one specific situation that led to me doing security is uh like a big fight broke out and in our community i like feel like i, I knew people well enough and people knew me well enough that they respected my voice so a big fight broke out it's funny it was like one of like three times my mother has ever come to see my band. So my mom's there and I'm like, hey, everybody, chill out. Everybody's got everybody gotta stop. And everybody kind of stopped and listened to me, you know? And the one security guard was like, hey, how'd you do that? Like, what did you do? And I was like, I just told him to stop. And he's like, why did he listen to you? You're like half my size. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I don't know, dude. That's like, I've known these people since I was a child. And mm. he's like, you want a job? And he's like, I get, you know, he gave me, he told me a story where he got he got jumped in a similar situation. He was like, "I could use somebody who can just help, you know, in that way." So, <laughs> what a great way to get a job! Yeah, it didn't it didn't work out in my favor as much as I would I would like to because I feel like I ended up working a lot of hip hop shows where nobody knew who I was, and I'd be like, hey, "Everybody stop!" and they'd start beating my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about
0: Baltimore what was it like growing up in Baltimore? I I know that you kind of grew up with um, a bit like a ragtag crew and you're like friends with some older people. I mean, what kind of opportunities were you given? Like looking back now, you know, at the time, at the time, if you'd asked me when I was 18, oh, what are your opportunities now? I'd be like, shut up. But now I'm like, oh, it's interesting to look back and think, okay, what were the few things like in front of me, in front of my eyes? You know, I guess for me, it was like, like studying. I think that was the only thing I realistically could do, you know, for the student loan, you know what I mean? But yeah. for you, what, for you, what was, what was kind of your opportunity, what were your opportunities looking like in Baltimore?
1: Yeah. You know, it's like the most common thing that people bring up because it's like the most successful TV show, one of the more successful TV shows of all time is, uh, The Wire. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's like a real thing. It's like the world that the city that, I, that I, I am from is, like that on some level but it's not like that that wasn't my life you know um for me it was like music and skateboarding and like trying to find um ways to express myself really young and i was like kind of fortunate that baltimore is a city because it's poor it has these cool built-in opportunities when we talk about like new york in the in the 70s and the 80s like what made it so cool and so um influential it's because it was poor and there was like places to facilitate young people doing stupid shit you know Mm. so where we grew up there was like weird warehouses and um really strange bars there's a bar always referenced called cafe tattoo when i was a kid they would let us do anything and we would just like it was so we were so attracted to like the extreme side of of music um i was thinking this one scenario in cafe tattoo there was a uh, a band called Bad Luck 13 from, I believe, like the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. Okay. And they would play Baltimore like every other week when I was a kid, I feel like. And we were all really interested in that. And it was extreme. They would like um, shoot fireworks into the crowd and they would like
0: wow.
1: do professional wrestling stuff on each other. And they would like, I remember one occasion there was a severed, I want to say it was a pig head got thrown around so we like wanted to be we thought that was really cool and we made some of my friends had a band that was like a similar vibe and everybody took turns singing and we would like so we, we rented out cafe tattoo um and it was like you know it's like a sick badass psycho who ran the spot and he didn't give a shit as long as we didn't start fucking like really truly fucking his spot up because then he would you know he's like a psycho you weren't trying to you weren't trying to push him too far <laughs> but uh, he would let us like do weird shit. And I remember one, one time we we had a gig there. And we like went around with a shopping cart and picked up like TVs and glass bottles and trash. And we like started a big fire in this little like, it's like a 100 cap <laughs> like club. What? And we just like poured lighter fluid on the ground and started a fire and then we like beat each other with TVs and did wrestling moves on each other because we wanted to be that you know, you wild yeah, I feel like, like you couldn't, there's a lot of cities you couldn't do that in, you know, like yeah. now Baltimore, it's like that dude, everything's a little tighter financially. So that dude's like, hey, you guys are going to give me 200 bucks and you're going to do what? Fine, mm. do it, you know, mm. and we just laugh. And then if we got out of control, he would, you know, I, I think at that particular time, I think he let the fire go for a couple of minutes and he came with the fire extinguisher and he was like, no more fire. <laughs> we were like, yes, sir. His name was, I think his name was Rick. <laughs> Cool. Are you speaking to me from Baltimore?
0: Bol- sorry, I should say Baltimore. Baltimore today. Are you Baltimore right now? Yeah,
1: that's where I live now. I lived in Los Angeles for about um, seven or eight years, but I've been back here for about a year. Been really pleasant.
0: What was it like coming back? Do you bump into some old friends, some old heads? Like do you, do you, yeah. feel, do you feel at home there. This, this is your place.
1: Absolutely. I have a lot of like great long, long-term friends that I trust and can depend on. And, you know, I had that in LA too, but it's it's like some lifelong friendships here that mean a lot to me. And uh, it's been just really a pleasant experience. Also here, it's like in Baltimore, again, talking about like, you know, it's like a little bit cheaper than Los Angeles, a lot of bit cheaper than Los Angeles. So I have like a little yard now and I can like let my dogs run around and like something I would never really dream of having my own yard in Los Angeles.
0: A brand new soul. That's what it is. It's a brand new soul. You feeling, you feeling brand new.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's like within myself, within what I'm seeing in the music community, uh, you know, this this is the first record that uh, with Angel Dust that I've produced. And um, it's like comes with, learning production is this freedom to do whatever you want. And, you know, it's like, I've had certain ideas that, you know, I don't think anybody was against me. It was like, like maybe somebody didn't understand in the moment. And like, when you can produce your music and you're the boss per se, you know, it's like, there's, there's no restriction. There's nobody to have to explain yourself to, Mm. you know, luckily, um, like I do, co-run the label who's putting the music out, you know? So it was, it was sick. It was like no experience I've ever had before, you know, like working with Roadrunner, who's like a big label um, in the past, you know, like if, if you want to try something, you have to get approval from one, two, three, four people above you. And it's it's a process. And, you know, I think they were, they were really good people. I, I really enjoyed a lot about my, my time with Roadrunner. But for this, I called one of my best friends, who is Daniel Fang. Um, and was like, Hey man, I want to do this record. I think it's going to cost me like this. And he's like, Oh yeah, it sounds great. Cool. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to book the, some studio time. You know, like I have some stuff in my stu- my space downstairs, but a lot of what we recorded is uh, a spot called right way, which is like very central Baltimore city. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was cool. He was just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I'll send you that amount of money. Cause he kind of does more of the financial stuff and. You know, have fun. <laughs> it's like, nice. and then you know, called all the team and just had like this this grand vision of everybody playing on the record and, and yeah. putting their twist on it. And it's cool. It's the first record that I didn't play like most of the guitars. I think I played like a riff or two on guitar. I got to focus on pr- production and singing. I'm the singer of the band.
0: The vocals sound great. A lot of it's a lot of it's fun. You know, a lot of it's, like, funny and, in, like, endearing and, like,
1: and like good time. It's a good time. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I think rock and roll music and, like, but the song kind of touches on, like, the origins of rock and roll, which sounds like it's funny to, to sound like a history lesson in the song, but it's it's not about, you know, I'm not trying to tell a history lesson as much as just explain where I'm coming from. And it's the freedom of rock and roll music
0: hmm.
1: um, that, you know, I think we talk about, a lot of a lot of a lot of music like that comes from blues and rock and roll and then hip-hop and punk rock hardcore music there's a certain thing that exists in that spiritual thing that separates it from everything i think that's comes from creative freedom Mm -hmm. you know
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and to 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 be in a big machine to work with a big label and a team and all this stuff it's like it's really helpful from a business perspective, but it gets harder to focus on the spiritual nature, the freedom of the music side of things when you have all these people to answer to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's you know it's exactly what what it what it means is like you know it's, it's a brand new um, view on doing this band. It's like complete freedom and just uh, have an incredible team of people who want to do that with me.
0: I think, I think it can be easy. And I think like it's human nature to take things for granted sometimes. And I feel like that's one of like kind of one of the great pains or the great battles or the great lessons in life to not take things for granted. I think freedom can be, is likely to be one of those things. And, the feeling that I get from you talking about that is that feeling of when I was younger and living in a really small like village where there was nothing to do. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to climb a tree and jump. Uh, my friend's uncle wears a motorbike, he has a motorbike helmet and we'll wear this motorbike helmet. And jump out the tree just to like have some fun and knock ourselves around and like <laughs> building skate ramps, um, building bike jumps, building a tree house It's building. It's like creating. And that yeah. stuff never really goes if you don't want it to.
1: Creating and exploring. Do you know what I mean? Like, dude, I love jumping out the tree with a helmet. It's like, I feel like you don't know do with a helmet per se, but that's like a thing that kids do where you like, you're exploring your body and what you're capable of. And like, you climb up a tree and you're like will i survive this and you jump out and then if you're fine you climb up to the next branch and you jump out
0: he's constantly pushing yourself you're like well that was okay so what's like what's the next level up
1: yeah it's like that music and i mean i still jump out of the tree all the time it's like you know you play a new stage and it's bigger and there's more people and you're like how far can i jump out off of this stage into the crowd safely you know and Sometimes it's not safe. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I'm getting a little bit older, and it hurts worse. But I can't, I can't lose that um, that sense of exploration and that creative freedom to see what wacky thing I can do on stage. And maybe one day I'll hurt myself bad. But I mean, I have hurt myself bad. You know what I mean? But it's like who cares, man? It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking die one day, and it's probably. Not as far away as people think, you know, it's like we all think that we're immortal and we're going to live forever and it's like, I don't have time to waste. I want to know exactly what my body can do. I want to know what my brain can do. I want to know what my friends can do together when we get in a room and there's microphones. Hmm. Just have no, no desire to live an average life.
0: of the job of being like a musician being an artist is to like keep growing because you're going to change the world's going to change around you that can be like a pretty tricky tricky path have you had moments kind of like veering off into the wilderness of that path have have you kind of you know, obviously you are now and and you, the space you're in now, but have you kind of had moments where you've gone off that path and had to come back in or you lose yourself for a bit and you kind of have to catch yourself up? What's, what's your story
1: with that? That's a great question. I think especially in music where it's evolving so fast and, um, I'm starting to really see that maybe it's always been the case, but I'm starting to recognize it more in like the, uh, film industry, you know, where, you know, everything's changing so fast, and it's like, what's right and what's wrong, and what, what properly represents me and my, and my path, which has led me to a more DIY ethic, interestingly enough, um, because, you know, it's like every, every day I get emails from people, there's somebody from some company who knows they can make me more money or they can grant me more freedom to do the things I want to do as a musician, And I get, I get what they're doing. They're pitching themselves because they want to be involved and they, they, they are involved with this industry, but I've seen it, what it's capable, what this industry does. You have to know, I started touring when I was 13 years old. So I've been doing this for, um, you know, 20 plus years and I'm fully aware of what's happening and, and, and how fast it's happening and to put your faith in somebody just because that's what they want to do. A lot of people get into this industry, like a lot of industries looking for a living, not because they're super passionate about music. And like, does that make it wrong? I don't know, I can't say, Um, but I do see that the product, the end result is different when it's, when you're working with people who are really passionate about music and particularly the music that you do. And I've, I've found very few, to be honest, you know, it's like the people who play my band obviously the people who played in my band in the past the people who play in trapped under ice with me um the people i do pop wig with uh our our booking team Mm -hmm. um it's like but i you know don't always feel like everyone's on the same page which has led me to say okay i want to put out our own record and I, i like you know for uh you know for better or worse, I manage Angel Dust. And it's like, there's definitely some things I miss, you know? But the things are important, and I have to make sure they're done right. It's so important. And, you know, like, I've worked with people and like with, with, with different managers and, you know, like I said, uh, with Roadrunner and different labels. And I do think everybody always had the best of intentions, but at the end of the day, it's like I'm just better suited to do this than a lot of people. And uh, it's kind of scary because I would love to just – take a breath and relax. Like, dude, I'm, you know, I'm I'm 37 years old. I just went on my first like vacation in my adult life. (laughs) I just got back yesterday. Like
0: a relaxed vacation.
1: I've never done that. Like I've been touring my whole life. So somebody says like, hey, do you want to go on vacation? Two things. I'm broke and I've just been traveling. You're not going to get me in a car. Like I have (laughs) trauma about traveling when somebody's like, do you want to drive 30 minutes away? Hell no, dog. I'm not on tour. I'm not driving 30 minutes anywhere.
0: Putting out records when you're a bit younger. It's always like a handshake deal. And it's your buddies. It's like, cool, we're doing this for fun i've always struggled with that idea of even now doing this podcast and i'm trying to i'm trying to hustle it and i'm trying to become a radio presenter here on like a rock station and like that idea of doing this thing where we've been putting on gigs and playing gigs where it's free entry or cheap or our whole lives and then trying to kind of transfer some of those skills over to like a quote-unquote like professional career like i do I feel like in my heart, I feel like it's possible and I feel like in 20 years, I'm going to be doing something that is music every day, but it's still like, it has its challenges. It has its murky times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's got ins and outs. I have like a thing that I've been kind of preaching like part of my gospel recently is just like committing to who you are. It's like, you know, it's like, what, what do you want to be in life? You know? And it's like, and who deserves to be that more than you? It's like nobody, Like what I'm doing right now, like with music and like being on stage and being the, I always had a problem with being the center of attention. I never wanted to sing in any of our bands Mm. with, with with angel dust. I did not want to sing. I was going to be the guitar player Mm. with trapped under ice. I was going to be the guitar player. And it's like, it was like hard for me to even accept that I was the singer then, or like the centerpiece or the focus where people are looking at the writing, the words people are hearing. But it's like, at this point, again, I've been touring for over 20 years. It's like who's more well-equipped to do this than me? Like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the one who should yeah. be doing this. And it's like, as a kid, dude, it's like I would, like, watch Guns N' Roses and, like, imitate Axl Rose. And then when I got into hardcore, really young, I was, like, you know, 11, 12, and I started hearing hardcore music. I would draw, like, tattoos of my favorite singers on my body in the mirror and then pretend like I was them and stuff. It's like, who else has just, just worshipped this role so long to where it's like, you know, you can't, you have to commit to who you are. And it's like, there was just a point in the last, honestly, it was like a year ago where I was like, I'm a am ro- a real life rocker. Like nobody gets to judge. Tell me like any, anybody you can find on planet earth who's going to tell me I am or am not is wrong. They just don't, they haven't any people I've looked up to. It's like, and, and you know, just no disrespect to anybody but I've put in more time than most of the people that I look up to at this point. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And then the business side, it's like business people are going to come in and tell me what's what I already, I do all the business. So you just have to fully commit to who you are. Who do you want to be? And don't have any embarrassment or shame. I think some people are like embarrassed to acknowledge that they want to be successful as a musician or something. It's like, no dog, you're a musician. That's what you do. That's what you've committed your life to. Don't hold back to make other people comfortable or, you just have to be you, and I think it's like a thing that punk rock teaches us is to be like unapologetically yourself. But you know, also with within the context of, of hardcore and punk rock, there's judgment, and people are afraid of judgment. You just gotta let that go and embrace the, the the true idea of rock and roll music. And mm. goes back to the thing I'm talking about with Brand New Soul, you know,
0: and that's what we want to hear as fans or people going to the gigs and buying the records. Like we live vicariously through you. You know, when you're like, when you're put on that record and you like, you feel that, you know, whatever time of day, it could be the first thing in the morning, like, oh my God, like you're living vicariously through that record. And like also being completely yourself because you're putting the lyrics to that record to in the context of your own life. And the point that I'm really getting at here is that like, we want people in bands to be the most free they can be. You know, there's no job description to you. Like Lemmy didn't pass a test to be Lemmy. You're yeah. not going to set a test for yourself to be you. Like it's a real game of faith.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Look, thanks so much. We got just a few minutes left because I got the cheap version of Zoom. I should have got the more expensive one, but look, <laughs> I, I love hearing about these stories of like people messing up at work, especially people playing music. have a lot of those stories right because you you take a job and you go in for that interview and you're like yeah I'll be here the last thing at night and I'll be here for the next 10 years and then two weeks later you're like I'm going on tour see you later yeah do any of those memories for you come up I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit but what kind of memories like that come to you
1: I had two jobs that were like pretty pretty full-time while I was touring at points in my life you know, again, I did security and stuff like that and worked at bars. I bar backed a little bit, but I, I worked at Johns Hopkins as a, a maintenance mechanic. So basically the idea would be like working with air conditioning units and stuff like that in the buildings at Johns Hopkins. And there's so many buildings at Johns Hopkins. It's like- you know, What is Johns Hopkins, sorry? University slash hospital, um, but it's the biggest employer in Baltimore now. And I think it's the top medical university in, in the world, uh, but- yeah, I would, like, go work on AC units or, like, fix electrical stuff, in, which was never really my strongest point, point. Um, and, like, labs or something. But that was a tough one that's when I, at, you know, I got a good job, and it was, you know, something I that I think the average person would say, okay, this is, like, good benefits, good money. This is something I should commit to. And I was always looking for a way out. And uh, I, I had a show in Richmond one day, which, in perspective, wasn't the biggest deal but it probably meant a lot to me and i think the decision to leave work and do it is probably very definitive of who i am but yeah they like, wouldn't let me leave and i was like i have to go i'm really sick and they didn't uh they weren't buying it and i like t- it was like a stupid lie but i was like oh i'm like faint i feel like i'm gonna pass out so i like fake passed out in the hallway and like some lady was screaming she was like Help! you know i was like oh man i'm so sick i have to leave and i left work so i could make the rich Richmond on time <laughs> you get you a job in acting yeah fully committed to the oh i like passed out <laughs> laying on the floor. so funny and then um, i was like yeah like it's obviously a hazard for me to be here i gotta go and um always had some stupid lie i like made up a, a lie once about somebody breaking into my house and i am like a bad liar it was like i was on the spot so i was like Oh, well, my roommate got so I broke into the house and they beat my roommate really bad and they robbed the house my roommates in the hospital but i'm working at a hospital while telling them that so they're asking me questions about what hospital and where he's at and i'm like yeah no i don't i'm not sure uh, you know, like, but basically after that i was like i can't go back to normal people life i can't you oh, tried it. i tried it yeah failed someone
0: said in a few episodes ago they they knew that they were in trouble at this job they're working at because they were trying to be that person. They were trying to be that job description, you know? Yeah. They're like, can't fucking do this. And you're you're doing I mean you're 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 for carpet, you've done some pretty nice modeling. You've made me yeah. want to buy some stuff.
1: Yes. They're buds. Like it's like really at the end of the day with carpet, I think it's they're culturally such an important thing to Baltimore. I think it's interesting, like there's, it's not like you can just go to the Gucci store in Baltimore. There's like a lot of stores that don't exist because it's a poor city. Why would you have, why would you put a Prada in Baltimore City? I feel like it's how a lot of people feel. Um, I say this and then maybe there's a Prada somewhere that I don't know about, but there's, it's not a lot of high-end fashion available to people here because, you know, again, financially, it doesn't make sense. And I think culturally that actually kind of like speaks to people and they're like, oh, I'm not worthy we're not classy we're not you know we're not bred for that and what carpet does is i think it's helped to create an identity for a young person from baltimore what makes us cool what makes what makes us feel like individuals and they mm. they've built that they've helped to build that identity in this city while also investing in our city so something like carpet it's cool like it's all love like That's not a, that's not a job. It's like, they called me the last time they called. Well, we did the one uh, little commercial where I'm I'm naked a lot of it. And I was really sick when that happened. And it's just, it's the homies. So they were like, hey, do you want to be a part of this? Yes, I want to be a part of it. Because what you're doing is important Hmm. for our community. I want to be a part of it. And then I pull up and they're like, okay, so you're gonna get naked and you're gonna walk around for... (laughs) My, my my allergies were so bad and we, we like they rented a space it was like surrounded like in the woods basically and i was like just pouring out of my nose like butt naked sick <laughs> um for what felt like a dun, full day dun. it was a couple hours
0: <laughs> and s- skateboarding is just you know i didn't realize it like there's just skateboarding is just so huge it's like skateboarding is like micro and macro you know what i mean there's like so much style there's so much uniqueness but there's millions of people around the world skateboarding is like just like the entry point into those different keyholes of style it's really cool yeah
1: i think it dude, it's, it's such a culturally important thing and like i think it's interesting when i was a kid i was really into a skate i don't skate at all anymore you know like i like push around and I have a skateboard but i don't like you don't want to see me i'm trash. but uh like it was like considered a white thing when i was a kid and dudes were like you know where i grew up wasn't um was like you know not exactly like the whitest area and so i would get kind of like joked on like hey white boy skateboards whatever It's like a white thing Mm -hmm. and then i feel like in the last couple years and especially when i moved to la i noticed it and then i really noticed it in baltimore where it's like it is just this wonderful you know like thing that just brings everybody together it's and that's what it was always meant to be it's for everybody yeah it's like this release that if you have a hundred books you can go buy a skateboard and pursue a career there's like kids who have nothing that can pursue a career in skateboarding or at very least hang out at the local skate shop and meet some new people and it's it's wonderful for real hey justice thank you so much we're going
0: down to the line here with the timing thank you so much for for doing this i really really appreciate your time and your stories thank you man appreciate you So there he was, Justice Trip on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Brand New Soul is out now, and right now they're on tour in the UK. So go and catch them if you can. Cheers for listening, and if you are able to leave a review or leave a rating, even just subscribing is doing me and the show such a massive solid. So thank you if you're able to do that next this week we've got dizzy tomorrow and teenage wrist on thursday so make sure you tune into that cheers